and Tversky. And, and of course that's true. Whatever else markets may be, they reflect the collective thinking of global participants. So whether someone buys a share of Facebook or shorts the euro dollar um, or buys gold or sells U.S. Treasuries, whatever investment decision any individual makes, that person, rightly or wrongly, is expressing a view of the future, a view of the future, specifically uh, a view on risk or opportunity in the future. And, and uh, one of uh, one of Keynes's disciples, uh, a guy you may have heard of, Warren Buffett, uh, said that uh, he and Charlie are fearful when others are greedy, and they are greedy only when others are fearful. So the key thing to markets is 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 understanding when to be afraid and when to be greedy. And off the just to step back in time, the that the time to be greedy uh, was. Back in July, July, August 2016, a few months before the uh, presidential election. And at that point, 10-year yields had bottomed at 1.37%, mm, I believe all-time lows. And uh, by August, 10-year yields were had edged up to about 1.62%. And then they were confirmed by our copper gold 10-year uh, yield indicator, copper divided by gold, um, and what you want to look at there is the direction, had confirmed the lows in yields, and we became massively bullish. When I say we, I mean the market. I am always agnostic on the market, and what the market needed to blast new highs was 10-year yields moving higher, because we needed financial stocks to participate in the rally, which hitherto had been led merely by tech, and uh, the, the market had become dangerously uh, over-reliant on tech stocks. So when 10-year yields bottomed, again, back in July mm, 2016, uh, we were calling for a melt-up, or rather the market was calling for a melt-up. And so right now, our thesis since July 2016 I'm reducing this to a single variable, is 10-year yields. U.S. equities and global capital flows are both dictated by 10-year yields, and they move in lockstep. And if you go back since July 2016, you will see that day by day and even intraday, the swings are determined by the 10-year. And when 10-year yields go higher, so do equities and vice versa. So we've reduced the entire market uh, to 10-year yields. Now the problem with 10-year yields is, is that copper versus gold, which is our best leading indicator for 10-year yields, a couple weeks ago hit eight-month lows, which meant metal traders were positioned for lower yields, not higher. And I say metal traders because metal traders have been the single best class of traders, uh, asset class, for predicting 10-year yields bar none, and every turning point for the last, since about 2000, whether to the upside or the downside, has been called by metal traders. So when 10-year yields are moving higher and copper 
divided by gold is moving lower, the metal traders have proven right every single time and vice versa. So the problem recently for 10-year yields is that metal traders were not seeing evidence of growth. And one of the things that made no sense in 2017, and this is really an important point, is that every one of my risk indicators, the collective thinking of all global investors was that there was no risk in the market, zero risk, which of course is impossible. And that made no sense. And things broke on January 26th, which was a Friday. U.S. equities were at all-time highs, and yet VIX, uh, VXX, which is the, a very liquid ETF, was at five-week highs, pressing five-week highs. It hit five-week highs the day before. And just to give you an example of, uh, sorry, a, a metric on, on, on what kind of that was a nine, nine to 10 standard deviation outlier from equities. The, the odds of that happening by chance were over one in a trillion trillion. Should not have happened in our lifetime. In fact, should never have happened. So something was amiss on January 26th. And the VIX on, on January 29th, which was Monday, I said equities are likely to go down if we hit 28.40, uh, sorry, 2838, uh, the S&P index, which they hit on Tuesday, and we plummeted 10%. So the two key variables here to watch intraday are the VIX, VXX, and 10-year yields, or in the alternative, IEF. And if you want, by the way, anything else is noise. So you can look at earnings and everything else. And of course, those factors will be mm, reflected in the VIX and 10-year yields. So today, not coincidentally, the S&P is probing three-week highs. So are 10-year yields. And the VIX is probing three-week lows. They all move in lockstep. Obviously, the VIX in, uh, inversely. So as equities attempt to punch above three-week highs, the problem is that 10-year yields are stubbornly refusing to, uh, to confirm that. Um, so, so I'm looking at 10-year yields today. Hold on. Let me just check and see where they are. Down um, a bit now. Yeah, down a bit. Exactly. Down a they bit. Were, they were up late before and the market was Thank up. Now they're down. <laughs> now they're down. Exactly. Yeah. So, so S&P futures, um, again, the key variable is 10-year yields. So 10-year yields, about an hour ago, uh, just before the market opened, were probing three-week highs. They are now, they, they got up to 2.8, let me see, 2.8, hold on one second, let me just pull this up. 10-year yields before the market opened had reached 2.849%. They are now down, and not coincidentally, so is the S&P. You guys need to really have those three indicators on your screen at all times. Obviously, the S&P, but the only two indicators that matter right now are 10-year yields, or IEF, 
which is the uh, 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 10-year uh, ETF, and VXX. So, so, it, um, so yeah. can I just yeah? So is it fair to say then that for the people listening, it's you know you got to see all three moving together. Exactly. So it's yeah. So it's not one or the other necessarily. Right. Yeah, we, need, we, we need confirmation. So the S and P yeah. is attempting an upside breakout, um, but it's it's facing the gravitational pull of ten-year yields, which are moving lower. Yeah. And again, even the fact that ten-year yields are here struggling to get above uh, three-week highs um, is in itself strange. Uh, uh, and again, a, a theme that I uh, reiterated in my presentation at the conference was things that make no sense are always incredibly powerful. And it makes no sense that 10-year yields are struggling to get above three-week highs when Powell just raised uh, the short end, right? Yeah. And and so ten-year yields peaked what back in in mid-February at 2.957 percent. And I I warned my clients. I said, uh oh, copper versus gold is headed lower. So metal traders are positioned for lower yields. Yeah. Everything in the world is arguing that ten-year yields ought to be above three percent, and yet just, they're not. Just to help make your point. Um, so you look at the financials today. So J.P. Morgan had very good, very good earnings. Um, you know, and like like we noted, you know, a lot of people expect earnings to be a you know positive catalyst, help bring volatility down, et cetera. And it's down two percent right now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah. Exactly. So so the 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 uh, by the way, the uh, another indicator for ten-year yields, apart from copper gold, is. Uh, uh, financials relative to utilities. So XLF divided by XLU. Uh, that's that's worth you know putting up as a as an index on your on your on your Bloomberg. And really, everything right now is dictated by ten-year yields. Until they move higher, U.S. equities are are going to stall out right here. So and yeah, yeah. I was going to say I, the one reason I really like how you're harping on this um, because. The conventional wisdom within equity land and from our clients uh, is that higher tenure yields is a bad thing. Ah, it's it's. Think about it right now. The yeah. only everything in the world uh, argues for a reflation thesis, right? It's the only justification for the Fed raising the short end, right? The the the, the yes. short term. So so. If indeed tenure yields are not confirming, that's telling us the yield curve is flattening, which is a harbinger of a recession. So, so again, what people, what investors, what we all do, we want to make sense of the world, which is why, you know, uh, I don't know if there are any uh, Marvel comic fans, uh, 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 but the spider sense, whenever things don't make sense, there's something very powerful at work. And and never fight those those trends. So it makes no sense that ten-year yields are stuck and moving lower here, and 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 that's very powerful and not to be fought. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If you don't mind, just to kind of go and I, you you mentioned it a few times, but just your 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 overall point on focusing on things that don't make sense and how it's maybe the, your perception of the world that is wrong, not necessarily, not you. Yeah. Just, yeah, because I think that's something, 
um, which I am really trying to incorporate into our oh. work, and I, I appreciate yes. you bringing it up because I think it's super powerful. It's very powerful, and, and by the way, I love the work that, that, that you and Ed, I, I love the way, the way you guys reduce the world down to a few variables, and it's, it's um, you know, Alfred North Whitehead, uh, the um, uh, great philosopher once said, uh, seek to simplicity and distrust it. And I would say the same thing is true with understanding. You know, seek it, but distrust it. And, and when people say something makes no sense, for example, they'll say, makes no sense, the tenure yields keep going lower. Or they'll say it in, 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 in analogous ways. They'll say something like this. After all, how much lower can tenure yields go? And, <laughs> right? And whenever, yeah. they, whenever, whenever you hear someone on, on Bloomberg or CNBC or the Wall Street Journal or, 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 or an analyst from this firm or that say um, uh, something is odd or out of place, or they'll scrunch up their face and they'll say, it doesn't make any sense why, and that's always a sign that, that, that something powerful is at work. Because when someone says it doesn't make sense, really what they're saying is this. I have a well-formulated argument with a dozen compelling reasons why tenure yields should be moving higher. But they keep moving lower. That makes no sense. Well, what makes no sense is the person's model. And if you think about it, think about the power of, of something moving in opposition to those dozen compelling reasons. Clearly, it's got to be something uh, that, uh, that, that trumps, no pun intended, that trumps all the logical reasons why the world should be doing the opposite. Yeah, and, it's a uh, – I'm yeah. sorry, go ahead. No, no, I just – so yeah. – so, so you want to, right now, everything is, comes down to those two key variables. One of my, um, one of my uh, heroes, uh, well, you had two of my heroes. Uh, you had Stanley Druckenmiller and Steve Cohen. And, um, and, and I consider uh, Steve Cohen a, a friend. And, and something I, I heard him ask once, and I thought it was so brilliant, was, um, was the question, what would you need to see to change your view? And whenever, in your own analysis or, um, or that of, a, a, of one of your portfolio managers or, 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 or an external uh, analyst, is what precisely would you need to see to change your view? And my view right now, and again, it's, it's global markets. I'm agnostic. But yep. the view on global markets is simply this, that until 10-year yields move higher, equities are going to stall out and move lower. And the, um, yeah, and that's it. And by the way, the VIX uh, is, was, the, was the harbinger, it was the, it, was the, it was the poker tell on January 26th that something was amiss. And keep in mind, the VIX hit nine-month highs on February 8th, nine-month highs, which would mean that for equities, just to move in alignment with where the VIX was back then, they'd have to have reached nine-month lows. So the VIX, even now, remains elevated. The vol is elevated, so the market is mm, uh, unsure what's going on. And, um, and so all we need to watch is 10-year yields and the VIX. Yeah. 
one of the things, because uh, I could see, and that's why I put the uh, Andy Kaufman thing on the earnings uh, come to save the day, but um, I just love that video, by the way. But um, So any excuse to use it. But, you know, I, I can see the narrative on, hey, earnings are great, but it doesn't make sense that the market isn't responding to them. Mm -hmm. Being, uh, you know, I, I shouldn't say people won't say, will say won't make sense, but people believe that it should make sense that earnings accelerating and then two-year window of earnings are going to be such a support for the market. Therefore, once you get into earnings season, all the other noise, whether it be Trump-related, 10-year yields, VIX, are going to matter less. Well, so that, I can you, see that. I think that's an outstanding point, Dennis. If 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 any, in, this applies on a company level on a company level, mind you. And so if we see a company reporting, you know, uh, uh, a better than expected earnings and the stock is flat or up just marginally, that's a selling sign, right? I, I, yeah. Wait, I, I, I'm not giving investment advice. I want to underscore, but that's yeah. clearly a bearish signal. And by the way, I'm watching tenure yields. They keep ticking lower, 2.823%. Let's see where the S&P is. Down 20, a little bit, it's ticking down, it, yeah. They're moving in lockstep. And, and again, if you don't believe me, just pull up, pull up a five-minute chart over the last few weeks and, and, and watch 10-year yields and the S&P and overlay them, and you will see they move in lockstep. Um, yeah. So we have a, you know, I'm trying to keep this on time, especially for Adam, but I have a couple of rapid-fire questions, if you don't mind. Uh, I shouldn't say rapid-fire, um, but a client who's a big fan of yours came in and wanted me to ask you this. You, you kind of answered the first one um, with your Steve point on, you know, what would take to change your mind. So the next yes. is, uh, among his clients, recurring hardest negative habit to overcome. So the recurring hardest negative habit you, you kind of encounter that is the hardest to overcome. Well... Again, it's difficult for clients. My clients are all managed multi-billion dollar funds, and they are all like top in the world at, at their game, and they got that way by making sense of the world. It's really tough for, for all of us. By the way, as I'm speaking, 10-year yields ticked lower, and so did equities again, 2.819%. You guys have to watch this intraday. And... And so, um, by the way, I say intraday just so you get a sense that the thing that the two are moving in lockstep. Uh, uh, yeah. Even even for those with a multi-year time horizon, you you need to understand this. So, um, I, that's the hardest thing is is acknowledging humbly that when things don't make sense, it's your thesis that's incorrect, and you need to to respect that. Um, yeah, never fight things that don't make sense. By the way, there are always opportunities. So when you, it, when you hear an analyst, whether it's an internal analyst or an external analyst, um, or you read something in the, in, the, in the Wall Street Journal about something that doesn't make sense or something that's odd or out of place, um, um, then that, that's, a, that's a trade opportunity. That's, that's revealing something very powerful. I can't stress that enough. Yeah. So if I could ask you about something before we wrap up, and this has been great, and thanks for your time, I'm going to ask you something about a little different because we've talked about it a few times over breakfast. 
Um, sure. And you heard the conference um, where that we just had. There was a lot on tech change, exponential technology. AI yes. came up a number of different times. So I was going to ask you at the conference this question, but we didn't have time. Your your view on AI going forward, if you don't mind telling oh. me a quick, quick okay. story about the the chess and um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I am I am I am in the Stephen Hawking, Elon Musk camp that AI is, 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 is the greatest threat that the world has ever seen. Um, so just to put a number on this, Stephen Hawking, uh, the late Stephen Hawking, said that he gave mankind a 1 in 20 shot of surviving AI. And for those of you who have trouble with the math, that's a 19 in 20 shot we don't survive. Um, so. The best way to, 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 to get an example uh, of, of, of the pace of, of what AI is capable of is look up Alpha Zero Go, Alpha Zero Go or Alpha Zero Chess. So get this, the world's best chess player is Magnus Carlsen. And just to give a, a number here, he has a chess IQ of say 200, just to put a number on it. The best chess program uh, previously, um, which was developed by DeepMind, a Google company, and it had been trained on the best human games, had a chess IQ of about 230. Again, better than Magnus Carlsen, but it had been trained on the best human games. So DeepMind said, what if we don't train it on human games? What if we just have our computer play itself? So they, they wiped the slate clean and gave it merely the rules of the game. And in four hours, four hours, mind you, it had supplanted all human knowledge of the game and has a chess IQ of about 260. And the problem with AI is that once it gets to GAI, which is generalized artificial intelligence, say a, a computer has an IQ of, say, uh, like a, a generalized IQ of 200, it will reprogram itself and, and bootstrap itself higher in, in successively more powerful, smarter versions of itself in a matter of hours. And that's really terrifying. Um, so uh, Buckminster Fuller, about 50 years ago, wrote a book called Utopia or Oblivion. And, and I think that's what AI presents right now. It's a utopia or oblivion binary scenario. And uh, yeah. we can't afford to get this one wrong. No, it's funny. There was an article. This would I thought about this. I really wanted to ask you on the call. There's an article yesterday. Um, basically, there's a South Korean university, I guess, um, that um, is uh, developing with a, uh, a government uh, autonomous weapons. And oh. AI, AI, AI experts are calling for a boycott. So, you know. Yeah. Which, Here's the problem with AI. Here's the best metaphor, the, the way to think about AI, is every major company and, and, and government uh, 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 on the planet is, is in, I was going to say in an, in an arms race, uh, then I was going to say AI race, and the two are the same. Because whoever lets the genie out of the bottle first, it's game over. They, right? But here's yep. the thing about genies. Genies give you three wishes. And then... And then they say goodbye. And that's essentially what's going to happen with AI. Um, that in a matter of hours, once, once that genie is let out of the bottle, it will reprogram itself. And, 
and, and will never look back. Um, so I'm, I'm deeply concerned about AI. And the thing is, you can't put restrictions on it because it'll just overwrite all those restrictions. Uh, good point. Uh, yeah. So, um, all right, we're, we're, we've, we've done our allotted half hour. And so, Adam, first and foremost, a lot of listeners here, is there any way they can get in touch with you if they want to follow up on anything? Sure. Um, uh, Adam at RobinsonGlobalStrategies.com. And, and if you guys, you can reach out to me too, and I can get the email for you as well. Right, and Dennis, you can you have the uh, the, the slide slide deck. I have this, yeah, I have the slide deck for me. Whoever wants it, just yeah, just you know, for sure, send it on. Yeah, absolutely, I will do that. So, Adam, um, thank you so much. I said in my invite, you're my new best friend. So I don't oh, know, if you know Dennis. I don't know if you know that yet, but it, it's uh, certainly uh, <laughs> uh, mutual, mutual. <laughs> Uh, and uh, so thanks so much for coming on. Uh, please have a wonderful weekend, and uh, I'm sure everybody will have VXX, 10-year uh, yields, and the S&P kind of all on their screen right now uh, going forward. Exactly. Excellent. All right. Thank you again. Have a great one, Adam. Bye. Bye.